and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Um, for those of you who are facing down mandatory stay-at-home orders. Which we are. Shelter in places, all of that stuff. Hopefully you have not gone completely stir-crazy. Remember, you can leave your homes, maintain social distancing. You can, you can wander around your property. The weather's nice. We have snow. Or as, you know, what happened this weekend, you could climb on top of your roof and just watch the world go by because, well, you know, what else are you going to do? <laughs> that was you, not me. Yeah. I refused to even be your safety officer and said, well, if you fall <laughs> off the roof, you die, you die. Well, there's that. <laughs> um, there's a little Lord of the Flies thing going on around here. Um, I don't know. I... I, I on one hand, we are doing exactly the right things. We're staying home except to go to the grocery store. We are, you know, maintaining our protective little bubble as needed. And we're trying desperately to um, entertain ourselves for this time. Now, you know, we have obviously work and school and the general things that still have to go on. But we've now developed a desire to try all the recipes we've been meaning to try for years. And, and some of it we actually have the ingredients for because they're on the shelves. Some of them are not. Yeah. Um, you know, the the three stores to find cucumbers was a bit of a difficulty. But... Um, well, there's that. There's also, you know, from what we saw this weekend, at least around here, is that if you wanted to try your hand at Indian or British cooking, the supplies are all well stocked. Limitless. Yeah. If you wanted to eat seafood. Yeah, that, that surprised me. That the, the seafood counters were well stocked. You couldn't get beef to save your life. <laughs> Chicken, no way. Um, but a good salmon? But a nice hunk of salmon? Not a problem. Now, now admittedly, the last store that we were at, uh, of anywhere that I would go to buy seafood, it would not be there because... Their seafood does look worse than any other store in our area. But still, their seafood counter was fully stocked. It was the only one, the only of their counters other than the deli that was even staffed. Yeah. Because everything else was wiped out. Now, the deli had a line that was like four and five deep. Yeah. Which was kind of funny. But, um, and I don't quite understand buying deli meat when you can't get bread. Well, now you know why there was no bread. Yeah. Because everybody's going and getting deli, deli meat. meat. Yeah, um, that was interesting. But I am consistently amused at what is left on the shelves. That was kind of staggering. It, it's almost an adventure to just wander the aisles. Not that I'm advising anyone to do this because we're socially distancing and we're only going out for essentials. But to wander the aisles, to get an idea of what your fellow man thinks is important for a stay-at-home order. There's no pasta or pasta sauce. Or on, potatoes. Or potatoes on the shelves. Um, however, because our household has a gluten-free element, if you need gluten-free, you are pretty some, set. To be clear, some. Because the good pasta that, that we like was completely wiped out. So, you know, let's differentiate there. Right, but the second choice pasta was fully stocked in yeah. all shapes and varieties. Um, so there was that. Um, 
I was very amused by the amount of cake mixes, cookie mixes, muffin mixes, all of that that was decimated. Because apparently that's what people are doing is baking. Yeah. But the mug cakes were, were fully stocked. Yeah. And Jello was fully stocked. Yes. If you need Jello, Jello is. And puddings. Yeah. You could do that. Um, you could not get sugar. Mm. Sugar was completely gone. Um, however, any of the zero calorie sugar varieties, mm-hmm. completely available. Yeah. Um, you could get cottage cheese or any variety of yogurt you wanted or sour cream, not ricotta. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure that out. And what's the deal with the run on cream cheese? <laughs> that one absolutely blew me away. The entire stock of cream cheese was out. Because everybody wants bagels. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I didn't see bagels there. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe everybody's going home with their baking fetishes now and going to make cheesecake. I don't know. Cream cheese frosting. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't check the frosting, the tins of frosting, to see if that was in stock. I didn't take a note of that. There was still quite a bit there. Anyway, so Formula One. Oh, we're not going to discuss where you could buy toilet paper? No, we're we're not going there. I'm just not. I bet the Formula One drivers all have access to toilet paper. Well, you know, because... Monaco is, you know, they they have their butlers go pick it up. And if they can't get it in Monaco, they probably go to Nice. Mm-hmm. And if they can't get it in Nice, they probably, you know, they just, their their butlers and, and, and assistants and whatever can go and go on the hunt. Or they just, you know, go over to the Ritz-Carlton and steal it from the public bathroom. One or the other. Don't ask, don't tell. That's all I'm saying. All right. Don't ask questions. Anyway, so Formula One. Um, in light of the public outcry over how, th- <laughs> how things went in Australia, yes, how poorly they went, Chase Carey has written an open letter to all F1 fans. That includes you and me and everybody else. Oh, I thought he wrote it just to us. No, he wrote it to everybody, but not Bob over there because he doesn't like Bob. Well, Bob's not an F1 fan. Yeah. Well, there, there was, there, they, they had an incident many years ago. Bobo's Chase, five dollars. Still, still kind bad. of bitter about it, but anyway, Chase wrote a letter to the rest of the Formula One fans, but not Bob. Okay. Um. About what happened and and its effect on the sport so far. Now, keep in mind, this is about a week and a half ago, or about a week ago. <clears throat> Dear F1 fans, we wanted to provide some thoughts and perspectives from last week as we address the coronavirus pandemic. First and foremost, our priority is the health and safety of the fans, teams, and organizations of Formula One as well as wider society. We apologize to those fans affected by by the cancellation in Australia as well as the postponement of the other races to date. These decisions are being made by Formula One, the FIA, and our local promoters in rapidly changing and evolving circumstances, but we believe they are the right and necessary ones. We also want to extend our thoughts to those already affected, including those in a Formula One family. We recognize everyone wants to know what comes next for Formula One in 2020. We cannot provide specific answers today, given the fluidity of the situation. However, we plan to get the 2020 championship season underway as soon as it's safe to do so. We are engaging with efforts and officials on a daily basis as we 
Evaluate how we go forward in the next few months, and we will keep you updated and provide details as soon as possible on FormulaOne.com. We are grateful for your support and understanding, and we wish you and your families all the best. So everyone was like, Chase Carey put out an apology for canceling Australia. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, no, he kind of ignored what they got slammed about. Yes, they needed to issue a statement and say, hey, we're trying, but the folks aren't upset over the fact that Australia was canceled. They get it. They understand it. It makes sense. I'm not hearing anybody who's saying that they're upset because the race because Australia was canceled. They're upset over how the weekend was handled and the fact that the, the decision was dragged out as long as it was, as late as it was, to the point that apparently 20 minutes before the gates were supposed to open to allow fans in, they still hadn't put out an announcement and fans were gathering, even though they knew that there were teams who were not participating. That, I think, is the bigger issue more than anything else. They could have saved face if they made that decision a whole lot faster, and if they were putting out guidance and direction on it a whole lot faster than they were. I agree with you. What I don't have a good clarity of is how much of the onus of communication is on F1, and I assume a lot, Mm-hmm. But also the promoters for the the Australian Grand Prix. I mean, there seemed to be a disconnect there also. The, there was so, a disconnect, but you know, if Formula One turned around and said, "Look, we don't," and, and it's happened before, we don't believe that the conditions at the track, at the paddock, at the event are safe for the drivers, the teams, and or the fans and do not intend to hold the event, it doesn't matter what the promoters say, boom, you're done. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do that until the last minute. And that's the problem. I agree. Okay. So some of the fallout that has happened around that. Um, We now have a staff member for Pirelli who has tested positive for the virus. Um, but over at McLaren, um, so it, it was a little confusing as to how things had, had gone down with the situation at McLaren. So they had one person who was uh, who tested positive. As a result of that test, 14 team members were ultimately put into quarantine because of having uh, close contact with the, the one positive test. Uh, the person who tested positive has been asymptomatic. He has not shown any sim- symptoms consistently through this. However, because of whatever the oddball testing criteria that's going on around this, seven of those original 14 were also designated to be testing tested. Um, those seven all came back with negative tests. The remaining seven never got tested. They haven't shown any any symptoms at this point. All the McLaren personnel have been, with the exception of the one who was, who did his positive, who had his positive test, all have been given the all clear. Um, McLaren made the decision to uh, keep the team in Australia or keep the the impacted folks in Australia for two weeks, just as a precaution. Okay. But at this point, no significant consequences to the team other than that. 
Um, also, several members of team leadership, even though they did not uh, fall under the guidelines for even needing a quarantine, out of solidarity and unity for their team members, stayed in Australia as well and uh, elected not to return until everybody from the team was given the all clear to return. Yeah, that's nice of them. One of the other things that, that uh, the stories that came out about this is that when McLaren came forward and said, hey, we're withdrawing because of the, the illness, um, several of the teams turned around and, and reached out to McLaren and said, don't worry about sending your teams to the track or, or send the minimal number of people that you need to to the track. We will, we will send people over to assist with your pack out. So several of the teams assisted McLaren with their pack out so that they didn't have to go in and dedicate as many team members to that effort. That was really sweet of them. Obviously, also an opportunity to get some intel. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of wondered about that a little bit. Um, and and I, I would assume that McLaren, I mean, w- was strategic about what they were doing, but along the same lines, depending on, on who the team was, did it really matter? Um, yeah. But still, you know, it's one of those, we'll help you do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's a reminder of how close the organization, especially when you've got a situation in Formula One where some of the guys at these other teams, they've worked for McLaren before. And, you know, everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. So That's that's the thing that you don't realize until you actually spend significant time, not just at the track, but on the in the pits and in the garages how tight this community really is yeah um you kind of got to figure you think of it in terms of the hundreds of people the thousands of people that show up every week but when you think about that in the microcosm of this world you're thinking you got to think much more of like there are is a core group of people that hang out together four days a week 21 weeks a year Mm -hmm. and they are you know while they all belong to a specific team, they're in essence team neutral when they're there hanging out because they're together for so much. They're like in the same world together. Well, you know, it's not even just that. I mean, the the junior series isn't just for the drivers. Right. The junior series is also for the technical personnel and the team management personnel and all of that stuff. And there's a pipeline through the junior series for the the trackside personnel, just as there is for the drivers, and a lot of these folks, they've known each other because they've come up through the same junior series, and they move around teams just as much in a junior series as they do in Formula One itself. So they've they've known each other for years upon years, and and they've worked at different teams with each other. They all know each other really well. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a good reason not to burn your bridges when you start off there. Well, I, I would tell you, if there was any industry, I mean, we all get told as we're coming out of college or coming out of high school, and we start off in your careers that, you know, be kind on your way up because you may see those same people mm-hmm. on the way down, um, and you don't burn your bridges, and you keep your doors open, and keep your network strong, and all of that. And that's all great advice because it's really true. But you see it really in action when you stand around the garages and you stand in a junior series garage for any length of time and Mm -hmm. you watch everything from the lower junior series kids coming up, talk to those guys, 
all the way up to the big the big boys. Yep. And um, you see one mechanic interact with easily every team along the way just in a given day. Yep. So one of the questions that has come out of the, the Australian Grand Prix is around Lewis Hamilton. Because as we all know, Lewis likes to hang out with the, the, the shiny famous people. The shiny famous people, yes, as opposed the, the, to the non-shiny famous people? Yes. He, he you know, there, there's a level of, of special famous people that he hangs out with. He hung out with us. Well, yeah, but no, we have no proof. Well, yeah, because your equipment failed you. Yeah. Anyway, one of the questions has been around Lewis, and Lewis possibly have been at least exposed to the virus, because... It came out that in the build-up to, uh, actually, no, it was at the We Day UK event at London's SSE Arena in Wembley, Wembley on March 4th, um, Lewis met with Idris Elba, who has since tested positive, as well as Canadian TV presenter and First Lady of Canada, Sophie Trudeau, mm-hmm. who also tested positive. So Lewis has insisted that um, he is healthy. Um, he is not infected. I, I don't know for sure if he has had a test done, um, but he says he's fine. Um, and at this point, yeah, he says he's got zero symptoms. And when he put out his statement, it was 17 days since that event. And he's shown no symptoms. So he believes that he is in the clear. Okay. Now, what we don't know since this was after he'd been to Australia is whether or not he's infected the whole paddock. <laughs> we don't. Typhoid Lewis. Yes, something like that. But he is okay. That is very important to me and my F1 predictions because I realized something this morning. Okay. Over. That you're, my... we're, we're still tied? Yes, we're still <laughs> tied right now. We are all tied. No, what I, it what dawned on me that made me laugh in my own little head, so hopefully it translates as being funny outside of my head, is right this second is the closest to winning Formula One's world championship Lance Stroll has ever been. Ouch. That, that's, well... He's never gone deeper into the season tied for first. T- yeah, there you, that, that's about the only way you can go. That's the only way you can go with that. Okay. Okay. It's been, what, four, five days since I've actually left the house. Things are not... It hasn't been that long. We did go and get groceries the other day. Okay, that was Friday. Actually, you were were out of the house on Saturday. Okay, Saturday. So basically, my limit is like two days. Yeah. I realize that your limit is a lot longer. You you could have come up on the roof with me. (laughs) Um, let me see if I can explain this. No, it's not that I have a problem being on the roof. It's the ladder that transports you. And that ladder you probably would not have enjoyed. I, 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 I'm not a a fan. It's a little bouncy. I'm not a fan of ladders. Anyway. So if there had been a race in Australia, Mm -hmm. we have gotten word and and i guess now at this point it's advanced notice that this is probably going to happen when the season starts but red bull has admitted that if mercedes had used the um the dual access the das steering system 
at free practice one in Australia, they were going to submit a protest. But it's already been deemed legal. Well, that's what... I mean, doesn't that seem like a wasted protest? Yes and no. So it's not clear what rule they would have used to question it. Um, The best that we could think of is that um, Red Bull probably would have pushed that because of the movement of the, the wheels that this is a change in the suspension, and that's the violation, even though... The FIA has already said that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But apparently, the legality of a car can only be properly verified by race stewards at a Grand Prix, which would have been established had the Australian Grand Prix been been staged. Oh, okay. So So even though everything has already been confirmed that it's legal, it's not legal legal until it's been validated by a Grand Prix. Yeah, so, so I think that that's the thought, is that by putting the protest in there by the stu- and, and having the stewards come and inspect the operation of the system and how it adjusted the, um, the front wheels, the, the alignment of those wheels, whether or not they would make a determination that it was a change in the suspension settings, even though we'd heard otherwise. But just because of the mechanical a- action, if they had turned around and said it was a change in the suspension settings, it would have been ruled as illegal at that point. That's the only thing I can think of is that's what they were going for. Well, that and if they had to demonstrate it for the stewards, would that not make the process a little bit more public and Red Bull could snatch it if it was deemed legal? Possibly. The other thing you got to wonder, and it's something that, that uh, Racing Point has already come out and said, is how much engineering is actually required to implement that on an existing car? Mm-hmm. Because it's already been outlawed for under the 2021 rules, and we'll talk about those in a little bit because there's some developments there too. But it's already been outlawed under the 2021 rules, so the amount of time that you'd even be able to run that system is fairly limited. And if it's a significant uplift or a significant change in the design of the front end of that car, it may not be worth the investment for something that you can only run for a handful of races. Right. So that's what we don't know. Interesting. And Racing Point, for that very reason, has said that they're not developing. That they probably don't have the money, but whatever. What? Lawrence doesn't have infinitely deep pockets? Um, well, there is that, but anyway... <laughs> So, as you'll recall, the other bit of drama going into the Australia weekend was the secret settlement between Ferrari and the FIA over the engine modes and the engine of the Ferrari for 2019. Yes. And all of the non-Ferrari car powered cars banding together and calling shenanigans. They called shenanigans. Well, it seems that Mercedes is stepping away from that group, despite the fact that Toto Wolf was one of the ringleaders. Does he? Does there any sort of public statement that explains why? There has not been a public statement, but sources are saying that the direction is coming from Daimler. Hmm. And this is now the second time that we've seen the Daimler corporate parent 
influencing the Formula One team. We've never seen this with, we've never publicly seen this with Dieter Zeech before. And I think Dieter's now retired, or Dietrich has retired, and it's the new CEO who is a little concerned about the impact that the racing team is having on motorsport. Interesting. It is. Now, I could see an argument that says that I wonder, follow me here for a second, Mm -hmm. that the protest gains more weight if the only people that are protesting are those that stand to gain. Because if the engine is deemed illegal and points would be removed from Ferrari, everybody below Ferrari would gain places in the championship. But Mercedes ended the world championship in one and two, so they would gain no places. So I'm wondering if just that idea of back away, this is not your fight, well, might be something. I don't what, know. What Autosport is saying is that Daimler does not want to remain involved in a battle that could be damaging for both F1 and the team's image. And again, it's the team's image. It's the second time that we've heard this from Daimler of expressing concern about the team's image. That was mm. why they pushed Toto to pull out of Australia. And now we're hearing this. I, I mean, I, I get the damaging piece. It, yes, it, it could potentially be damaging, um, especially if it turns out that shenanigans were actually going on there. I'm not sure how that can blow back on the team. Yeah. So I don't know, but but you got to kind of wonder if we're about to see a difference in how the Mercedes Formula One team plays politics in Formula One. That would be interesting. A little concern. Mm-hmm. So in light of everything that has gone on, uh, F1, or, yeah, the FIA actually has announced that uh, they are moving the summer shutdown period from July and August to March and April of this year, and they're extending it from 14 to 21 days. The idea being, and and we had mentioned this before, it had been floated, is when the season restarts and they start rescheduling and moving races around, they can race through the July-August period, which makes sense. Yes. Um, What I don't quite understand is, so... Commitments have been made by uh, Mercedes, seven teams, Mercedes, McLaren, Red Bull, Racing Point, Haas, Renault, and Williams to assist the UK government with the production of ventilators Mm -hmm. because they've stood up and said, hey, we've got high-end design. We've got high-tech manufacturing. We can can retool because we're not doing stuff for racing. We can retool and we can assist with this. But if the factories are uh, under the rules of the F1 shutdown, the factories are supposed to be completely shut down. No one's supposed to be checking email. No one's supposed to be doing anything. How that would impact. I I assume that waivers are going to go out to allow this kind of activity. But at this point, we don't know. Well, my feeling is going to be that the it's going to be completely allowed. It's a full stop. Yeah. It, It would be in F1's disinterest. To turn around and go, no, we shut down the factories for a reason and not aid, quote unquote, the war effort. Yeah. 
I mean, that that's just, that would be stupid. <clears throat> so what they're going to wind up doing is saying that these factories are open for activities other than racing. And they still can't check their racing email. You know, they'll set up a shadow factory, so to say. Yeah. That is completely separate. So it will probably have a separate email, like a communication system that is outside and completely separate from the F1 world. Gmail. Yeah, they'll use Gmail. (laughs) As everyone else and their little brother is, could you please stop using the video conferencing so I can get my work done? Every morning video conferencing is down yeah because all of you people are talking to your mothers now what has occurred at this point officially now because they, they hadn't officially said it officially the dutch and spanish grand prix have have been postponed however for the first time in something like 60 some odd years the monaco grand prix has been outright canceled Yes. So the reason why Monaco is canceled, everything else has been postponed, is because Monaco being a street race and being a lot of disruption. And and by the way, up until, oh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, they were still working on the construction work for the circuit in Monaco. Mm -hmm. Um, That has since stopped. But because of the disruption, because of all the work that's required to bring the race to the streets of Monaco— they can only do it this one time a year. They cannot, or, or at least Prince Philip, who, no, not Prince Philip, Prince Albert of Monaco. Right. Prince Albert, by the way, tested positive. Oh, did he? Yes. He, he He's very upset about <laughs> Prince Albert. Very upset. <laughs> a little annoyed that I mixed him up with Prince Philip, but... We're, I think he's more we'll upset have a that he little, oh, had, a, had a little <laughs> concern that Prince Philip might be sick. Well, we'll have a well. He he does look like death. Yeah, just like death. There's, not, <laughs> not there's even, nothing else there. Not you even just, warmed over. Give him the black hood. And, ooh. <laughs> you heard the queen is being sequestered. Well, yeah, because Prince Philip looks like death. <laughs> it's not the reason. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm quite sure that they are sending Charles out for more public events so that maybe he'll get the virus. Anyway, there is no other spot in the calendar that Monaco is willing to um, allow the disruption in construction to happen to accommodate a race. So Monaco is off completely. And a number of folks are going, you know, I really hate Monaco because it's such a dull and boring race, but it sucks that this is happening. It's like, come on. By the way, we're not going to feel that way if they cancel France, which as it stands right now, and I know we were originally talking about Baku potentially being the season opener, and but we got word as of this morning as we are recording that Baku has been postponed as well by the local organizers. It wasn't even the F1 and the FIA. The local organizers are postponing the race, which means at this point with no changes in the calendar, Paul Ricard would be the start of the Formula One season. That's not a good omen. 2020 is really sizing up to be a craptastic year. Ross, I'm just saying, regardless of the world situation, cancel that one. (laughs) Don't postpone it. Don't postpone it. Outright cancel it. Make it go away. Because it's not going to be a good race, and that's not a good start to the season. Maybe they could put banking into Paul Ricard. 
Well, you know, that's one of the other questions because, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago that, that you know, they wanted to do these changes. Just take them two days. They'd have it done. Some some changes to make the race better. But if they're under quarantine or, or social distancing, I'm not sure they could do do the work. Where would they find the time? Well, they could if they, you know, keep everybody six feet apart from each other as they do their jobs. I mean, some forklift yeah. drivers don't have to be, you know, right up against the guy that they're working with. There was a, I mean, how close do you really, I mean, if you think about it, how close do you really need to build the gantry to hide, to, to hang the, the swinging iron ball to swing across the track? Because it's really all that's going to, that's all you could do to make that race better. They have different configurations. You know, Autosport, one of their sponsors does trips to or, or does race packages for that weekend. And, and they're putting up every so often, you know, three ways you can have a fantastic weekend at um, at Paul Ricard for the French Grand. You know, those kind of stuff. And really, I keep wanting to add like a number four of when you finally make it back to your hotel room. Go watch a race and you know, like the USGP or some other good race because you just watched a crappy one. <laughs> um, I saw recently thing you know thinking in terms of road work during social distancing. I keep seeing that, and it yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's some value to it. People aren't on the roads, <laughs> and the road workers don't necessarily have to be right on top of each other. It'd be an interesting experiment i mean the economy being what it is we're going to be going back to new deal tactics at some point and yeah. that's a wpa project right there so obviously this brings up concerns about the money fi- money and the financial future of of teams and claire williams has come forward and said that that they're a really kind of concerned about this mm-hmm. um not the leech least of which is because they're a good portion of their income what doesn't come from the prize fund which is variable also comes from the fees that the promoters pay the teams those fees are paid in advance and if a race doesn't run those fees have to get refunded to the promoters right so the uncertainty here is that the teams can't use that money that they're used to spending by now if they haven't already spent it yeah if they haven't already spent it because if they can't find a slot in the calendar or if for some reason the the team itself can't participate you know Mm -hmm. for scheduling or whatever now what so yeah we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that i think the biggest concern is going to be that that it that money comes in in advance and gets spent prior to the race that necessarily it, it got paid mm-hmm. for. So that money all got used for development and building the car that exists that's not racing right now. And they may not have the cash on hand to return the money to the, the promoters yep. should the race get ultimately canceled. So... I mean, that's where it's going to be really weird. I mean, obviously, they're trying to postpone and reformat the entire calendar to accommodate this as much as possible because that's one of the downstream effects. But that's no different than what we're hearing from um, some of these city functions, um, city festivals and things like that. All of the the payments for that, that goes to f- support uh, 
the chambers of commerce in these various cities across our country. And that money is now spent. So the coffers are empty. How do you how do you pay back the people that then can't recoup their costs? One of the other things that's going to be a challenge coming up, and we haven't heard any talk about it yet, is, okay, the way it's shaping up, you've got a lot of these series are stacking towards the end of the year because that they're postponing races, they're not canceling them. Mm-hmm. So you could be looking at weekends where we could have three, four, five, six different motorsport events going the same time. Now, at first glance, that seems okay. Except. Ex- except if you've got drivers who participate in multiple series, which you see a lot with the junior drivers. You have broadcast and commentating teams who typically handle multiple series. How is that going to... I mean... We see this the struggle that somebody like NBC has on Memorial Day weekend when they're doing a three-way stack between Monaco, uh, Indianapolis, and I think it's Daytona. Daytona does not run on Memorial Day weekend. They run no, in February. There, there's a NASCAR race that runs um, some Memorial NASCAR Day. race. Yeah, there there is a NASCAR race of some sort that runs that day, and it, it's probably not Daytona. But it's another fairly big event. That's just three races and that's one broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Look at, you know, somebody who's got to do, maybe they normally cover four or five races. Or, you know, the, the spread is even deeper in terms of where they've got to go. I don't know how broadcasters are necessarily going to accomplish this. Well, and you've missed the obvious group. There are fans who watch more than one series. There are. And those that go to the tracks can lay, you know, their their calendar out that, yeah. oh, I'm going to go to this race on this weekend and I'm going to go to this race on this other weekend. And now and DVR the rest, which and, is what a lot of fans are going to end up doing. But yeah, those travel plans are out the window too. The travel plans are out the window, but prioritizing which track are you going to go to and spend your money at mm-hmm. and which event are you going to... You can imagine that if somebody is goes to one, Europeans particularly, goes to maybe one or two Formula One races, but also goes to MotoGP races and maybe a touring car race or something like that, you can imagine that maybe MotoGP and the touring car aren't going to get the dollars. Yeah. That, you know, wh- where do you prioritize your money? And that's going to be another piece of this downstream economic downfall of this virus. So one of the things that we do know is happening, it has been approved by basically everybody but the World Motorsports Council, is that what we thought were going to be the 2021 regulations are now the 2022 regulations. Um, We will not be changing platforms. We will not be changing any of the other stuff. Uh, The teams are in support of it. And it, it, it makes some degree of sense because if... The teams can't get to the factories because the factories are under quarantine. They can't do the development and design work. So that makes sense. So we will be seeing these same cars for another year. However, um, as you'll recall, McLaren had planned as part of the change in 2021 with the new rules to change power units from Renault to Mercedes. They have confirmed they're still doing it. Oh, wow. 
which means their development costs are going up. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming this means that the um, cost cap will get pushed back a year too. Oh, so that'll be fun. All of the spending for this year in prep for that, plus all of the spending for next mm-hmm. year. <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah, throw all of that out the window. Yeah. Now, But so much of what we're doing right now is throwing everything out the window. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions has been the commitment of Haas. How much are they being committed? So Gunther Steiner spoke to Autosport just before the Australian Grand Prix was supposed to happen. Um, and one of the questions was around Gene and Gene's comments. And what Gunther said was, I pro- and I'm assuming this is cleaned up, knowing what we now know about Gunther Steiner. <laughs> there is none of his special curse words in this that's all i'm saying <laughs> he says i approach every race as make or break every race you do your best you cannot do more than the maximum that's what we always do wherever we go i wasn't there when he said that again speaking of gene's comments of five years and we need to reassess he says i wasn't there when he said that so i don't know what's make or break I think it was taken a little bit out of context. He did say that he spoke with him the Thursday before the Australian Grand Prix, that Gene phoned him three hours prior to the event, seeing if everything was okay there. He said, I think, let me start that over. He said, I think Gene is committed. He wants to see how we are doing, what is going on with the team. I had 50 minutes with him on the phone. I think he's still committed. Now, the number of times he said, I think he's still committed, does make me wonder if he's trying to reassure himself that Gene is still committed here. Did he say that Gene's a heck of a nice guy? He didn't say that. Oh, okay. Gene may have said that about Gunther. I don't know. Yeah, we need to find that out. (laughs) We need to find that piece of information out. So. All right. And Lando Norris, because we're we're at the Lando Norris section of our show now. Apparently we now have an Orlando Norris section. (laughs) Orlando Norris says that once we get to racing, because of the change in the rules, he's going to do a new helmet design for every race. Yay. I think it's kind of cool. You know, I thought that rule was dumb. Well, we thought the rule was dumb, but I don't know if I would qualify that as being news, but I know you're stretching here. I know. Um, So this past weekend, and I assume they're going to do more of this over the next couple of weeks, Formula One has been trying to find ways to keep folks engaged and interested. So they actually, it was an interesting weekend this weekend. So Saturday, Formula One rebroadcast, they're calling it re-ran, but rebroadcast the 2016 Brazilian Grand Prix. Now, as you recall, the Brazilian Grand Prix was a wet race that was supposed to be um, Felipe Massa's final home race. Because he had announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg were fighting for the championship. And it was close. Um, but they re-ran the race with um, Mercedes, Williams, and Renault live-tweeting the race. Okay. And not pulling up their old comments from 2016. Just watching it. And- watching it and, Yeah. Yeah, the race was aired on the F1 TV platform, on YouTube, and I think on Facebook as well. Um, but they did that. But they've also announced 
a virtual Grand Prix series to replace the races. So this past Sunday, there was not one, not two, but three different virtual Bahrain Grand Prix, which by the way, again, Lando Norris section of the show, Lando participated (laughs) in all of them. (laughs) (laughs) You got to give the boy credit. He's working it. He's working hard. He really is. Um, and and he, he's being himself. Apparently, for the F1 announced series, he qualified. I think he qualified last. Aww. And then he was having problems connecting into the lobby after he qualified last. Um, so he then went around and just started pinging people while he was frantically trying to connect up. Um, he, he pinged Matt Gallagher. He pinged three or four, including George Russell. <laughs> with the comment of, well, I'm reaching out to somebody who's got more experience than I do starting last on the grid. Ouch! <laughs> now, to be clear, George gets along really well with with uh, uh, with Lando. Okay. Not Lance, with, with Lando. George gets along really well. So he George knew that Lando was screwing around. Okay. Um, but, so Formula One has announced their own esports series which initially everybody not esport but virtual grand prix separate from the esports series when initially when this was announced everyone was like well cool we'll see all the current drivers on the grid the the balancing between a car so this would be like for like racing so we all thought that you know this will be the drivers matched up against each other it'll be same hardware this will be really exciting this could be really cool um then we found out that one formula one was very quick to announce the points don't count um then we found out that most of the current drivers are not participating oh at all matt max for stat i thought for sure max was going to be all over this because we know that max is a big uh gamer he he loves the these games he's already participated in several virtuals including a nascar series alongside lando norris of course um lando uh, there was a lot of talk about the fact that Lando uh, bumped Max off. He was bump drifting and hit Max and spun Max off into a wall. In nice. The yeah. Um, thought this could be interesting, but it turns out that no, this is more like Formula One's version of um, whose line is it anyway? You know, where the rules don't count, the points don't matter. Got it. That, that's kind of what this is. So to give you an idea of what the lineup was, and, and uh, it, it, it sounded kind of interesting. I didn't watch it. Um, the Formula One one in particular, Sky Sports F1 carried live. <laughs> they're desperate, Because they're honey. desperate for content. So what the lineup was, for Mercedes, mm-hmm. Stoffel Van Dorn and Esteban Gutierrez. Flying waffle. Okay. Um... Ferrari tapped their Forever Drivers Academy and Robert Schwartzman and Dino Baganovic driving for them. Now, over at Red Bull, they went with professional racing driver and Red Bull athlete Philip Eng and a seven-time Olympic gold medalist Sir Chris Hoy. Oh, my. Um, Lando Norris for McLaren alongside Nicholas Hamilton, which is Lewis's brother. And Nick is also a professional driver, too. I think he drives in uh, British touring cars. Um, so, so some talent there. Renault, Formula 2 driver Guanyo Zhu, and golfing legend Ian Poulter. Hey! <laughs> um, 
Alpha Tori had motorcycle racer Lucas Salvadori and esports sportscaster and commentator Matt Trivet. Now, over at Racing Point, it was the return of Nico Hulkenberg. Nice. Yeah. Um, alongside Jimmy Broadbent, who does uh, some kind of streaming, um, Johnny Herbert drove for Alfa Romeo. Johnny Herbert is a uh, three-time F1 race runner and, and Sky Sports pundit. Johnny, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah. He apparently spent all morning practicing for this. Oh, well, he, he didn't put want... It, he, he, he was testing. Yeah, yeah, he didn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, he said it was actually exhausting. I bet. Um, he was paired up with uh, Amir Cyanide Thacker from Twitch. Um, over at Haas, Sky Sports analyst Anthony Davidson and esports commentator Paul Chaloner were on the grid. And then over at Williams. Yes. We had Nick Latifi. Hey. Which technically that was his F1 debut. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Nick Latifi paired with singer, songwriter, and former One Direction star Liam Payne. Maybe he's a diamond in the rough in the racing world. Like I said, the rules don't matter and the points don't count. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the winner of the event was Renault's Guayan who is in Formula 2. Yes. So maybe we'll get more familiar with Guayan as uh, the the virtual Grand Prix continues. So apparently the first lap was kind of pandemonium. I've, I've seen some replays of it. Somehow from last place, um, Lando Norris ended up in third in the first lap. The problem here was that Lando was still having problems to connect. That was a bot. Oh, my <laughs> oh my all right and on that note we'll call it a show everybody stay safe stay healthy stay home and depending on what happens maybe we'll talk to you next week we are so glad you came bye-bye 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 now bye bye-bye remember please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle thank you okay bye-bye now bye-bye bye (laughs) okay are they all gone Uh, is is there is everybody gone (laughs) huh good Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.